This is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen, creative people and how they do their thing. I love to talk about that. And now I'm doing it with a brand new theme song. It only took me seven years to get some music that I love. Um, this was from a company called Placement Music out of Atlanta. It's composed by Mark Daniels, and I kind of love it. It gives me a good feeling. It gives me a good vibe. And so now we've got new music. So there you go. Um, my guest this week, it's kind of a special Pride Month um, guest. Julia Scotty is a stand-up comedian. Uh, she's also the star of the subject of a new documentary called Funny That Way. And it tells the story of how Julia began her career in comedy as Rick Scotty in the 80s and 90s, appearing in the stand-up scene along people like Jerry Seinfeld and Chris Brock. And then she transitioned in her late 40s and then went back into comedy as Julia Scotty. Uh, there were a lot of ups and downs along the way. Uh, she made it to America's Got Talent a few years ago, so you may have seen her there. And she's got a great story, inspiring and moving and funny, all of the feels. So before we get to that, uh, now that we have fun music, I want to really kind of give it up for my sponsor, which is me. I'm the sponsor of my various side hustles which I'll get a plug in here for You Don't Know My Life, the virtual game nights that I host online. Also, since folks are getting back together and hanging out in person, why don't you get the boxed game on Amazon and it'll be a great way to start engaging with folks in person. You can get it on Amazon, You Don't Know My Life, or learn about the virtual games at youdon'tknowmylife.com. Especially a lot of workplaces are still working remotely, but they want to feel connected to each other. So let us do a virtual game night for you. It's super fun. And the other business that I have that's opening up now that, that things are, are, uh, are opening um, is LifeCast. It's a service where I interview somebody about their life, kind of like a podcast, but more of like an audio heirloom. So I might interview your parents um, and get their whole story down so that you have it. and You can share it for posterity with your loved ones. Um, it's something that I do in person, so that's kind of why the, the pandemic... Uh, kind of thwarted that for a while, but if that's something you're interested in for a loved one, for you, for a gift, um, it's fun, it's meaningful, it's not a lot of hassle, and um, I edit it all together with music and everything, and it becomes a very cool thing to do. So uh, learn about that at getalifecast.com. Um, also, you can find any of these other podcasts that you want at dennisanyone.net. And you can also donate to my virtual tip jar there if you want to help me cover the expenses that come with doing the podcast, like the new theme song, right? Right? I wrote a check. I'm not afraid to invest in some cool tunes, so there you go. All right, that's enough of my plugs. Here is the interview with Julia Scotty. Joining me now from New Jersey via Zoom, it's Julia Scotty, the subject of this great new documentary that's out called Julia Scotty, Funny That Way. Hello, Julia. Hello, Dennis. How are you? It's nice to see you. Um, your face was familiar to me when uh, they sent the trailer because I, I think I had seen the America's Got Talent um, when you were on that. Uh, I'm amazed at how many people remember that thing. It was five years ago. I mean, yeah. it, it's and I still get people coming up to me. It's such a testament to the power of television, right? That like, it, it really is more powerful than almost any other media force, it seems like, in terms of just getting faces out there, right? The first time I appeared on it, just before I walked out on stage, Nigel, the producer, uh, was, he just looked at me, he goes, your life is never gonna be the same after this. 
and he was he was right. It, it, yeah, the power of television is remarkable. Now they show part of this journey in the documentary on America's Got Talent. Right. Um, you have a great appearance. Even Simon is nice to you, and and <laughs> and, laugh and is funny. How far did you end up going in it ultimately? I don't remember how it how it played. I, out. I got to the quarterfinals and then they threw me out. Oh. On my behind. <laughs> was it exciting to be in in that crazy big television world, lights, people? Was it exciting? You know, I I get I, I could get used to that, and it and it's weird because they you know for the time you're on the show, you're like a celebrity. I mean, people right. recognize you on the streets. People are like, hey, how you doing? I I voted for you, and then when you then when you <laughs> you're off. You know, you just, you know, you're like a homeless person and people walk by and they don't want to know you. You know, you smell, get away from me. Uh-huh. It's, they, they build you up just to let you down. And um, you're, you talk on the, on, when you were on America's Got Talent about uh, being, being transgender and, and your journey right. in that. Was that always something you were, you were buying to do on that show or was it something you had to consider? Um, it, was a, it was a decision I made at that moment on that stage. Wow. They they told me uh they gave, they left it up to me. They you know they said you can right. do it, you don't have to do it. I and I and I wasn't going to and then I you know comedians had this internal conversation going on. I call it the board of directors meeting. Even right. while we're performing, we're making all these executive decisions. And you know, when Howie asked me the question, why did I take ten years off? Um, I had to make a decision as to whether or not I wanted to do it. Right. And I thought about, you know, all the people out there who were struggling like I did. Yeah. And, and I thought maybe this, you know, seeing somebody like them on TV would um, help. And, and maybe they could see that there was life on the other side of this process. And so I just took a deep breath. And the next thing I know, <laughs> it was coming out of my mouth. And the place got quiet for like a millisecond. And then just exploded. It was it was it was intense. I thought it was beautiful. It was such a beautiful moment. And one of those moments that you watch those shows and you're like, the, the, for all of the showmanship of there are these little pure moments of humanity that come through. Did you yeah. hear from people afterwards that, that, that meant something too? that, that, Oh God. Yeah, idea I heard setting an example. Absolutely. I mean, I heard from, I didn't realize that the show uh, was rebroadcast in countries all around the world. And I started to hear from people in Australia and, and Great Britain and Brazil, uh, you know, and people who were just in the United States too, you know, good and bad. I wasn't prepared for the bad. Yeah. What um, kind of things would the bad people say? Like that you're against God or what? 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 what well, there was that. There was a lot of God stuff. There was a lot of, you know, uh, refusing to call, refer to me as she, it was all he, you know, and a lot of dick references and yeah you know and just people go right for the genitalia you know right. that's uh and it was just horrible horrible stuff and it, i gotta be honest with you i wasn't as as long as i've been in show business i was not prepared for that yeah uh, and and my son said to me don't look at the comments and of course you know uh, like like a lot I turned around and my entire life turned into a pillar of salt you know <laughs> <Is> there- <laughs> Was there a positive uh, letter or email you got that that sticks out or something that that, yes. that moves you? Yes, there was a there was a uh, not long after the show, I got an email from somebody that 
said they had been uh, they were struggling with their gender identity and they were they were about to kill themselves and they were just it, the television happened to be on on that show oh my god and, and i they saw me and they you know like they kind of put the volume up and um it actually to kind of save i hate save saving their life because they sound like you know, i ran in there and rescued them but right. this person's you know they changed their mind and just and did not kill themselves that night so i kind of feel and i've heard from other people over the course of the years uh, who were very very depressed and, and you know and that performance seemed to lift them up a little bit so i'm 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 really blessed in that way what a beautiful thing that's so mm. the right thing at the right time could change somebody's state of mind in that way um so well i I, of... I want to tell you if you don't mind me just yeah. you know going to side i worked this weekend off in its club in new jersey a big club the, the stress factory and uh, for the first time ever um there were more trans people there than i had ever seen at a show before wow a couple a young couple you know young couples young men young women and i just it just lifted me like you wouldn't believe and it and a lot of it had to do with AGT, but more of it had to do with the movie. I think they had seen the movie. That's fantastic. Look yeah. At that. That's great. So you started doing comedy as a man, Rick Scotty, in the mm -hmm. 80s. When comedy was blowing up. 1980. Uh, yeah. And mm -hmm. what struck me looking at that old footage was there was a sort of disgruntledness in your persona. That was kind yeah. of your stick. And then yeah. I sort of knowing your journey and what you were must have been dealing with on the inside, it was very poignant. Like, like this guy's really seems unhappy or that's kind of his shtick, but, but there's this bigger thing going on. So how, I guess, how do you connect your journey as a trans person to your earlier comedy persona? Were they connected at all? Well, it, ultimately they were. At the time, I was very unhappy. Uh, I, 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 was, I was going through this period in my life where I thought I was gay for a good long time. I knew, I shouldn't say I thought I was gay. I knew something was, as we say in Italian, stonato, out of tune. Yeah. And uh, uh, I didn't know what it was. Because don't forget, this is 40 years ago. Right. Uh, before the internet, before any of this stuff existed, trans. Yeah. You know, trans information was virtually, you know, what you get, you know, in the daily news if Renee Richards came out or, you know, somebody else got a sex change, as they used to call it. Right. So it, it um, I didn't, I didn't, I never, ever thought that that was my issue. So I was unhappy. Yeah. And I, my, my couple of forays into the, you know, experimenting with being gay were disastrous. Right. And so I just... I was lost, and so my comedy reflected that. Comedy always reflects what the comedian's experiencing in life, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I have a lot of friends who are comics, a lot of female comedians. Do you notice now, as Julia, that the vibe is different when you go into clubs? And, and are you seeing some of that misogyny that I might have heard from my female comedians? Has it given you a different vantage point into these worlds? that you started out in? It's unfair for me to, to say it's misogyny because um, I, I don't deserve, you know, to I don't have the experience to talk about that era. I sure. saw it uh, right. from a male perspective. I, I, I did see it, yes. Do I see it now uh, from my point of yeah. view? Mm, no, not really. You know, it's a, 
uh, people when I come into a club sort of know my history. Right. And they so they're know. they're in one camp, either they're super supportive or, you know, they, you know, they just sort of avoid me altogether because there's still some people that, that just find what I, I am repulsive. Yeah. And, and they're few and far between in the clubs anyway, but they're there. Yeah, I get that. Um, one of the most poignant parts of the documentary is when you talk about your children and that your children are featured and are interviewed. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think I remember that when you transitioned, you lost touch with them for a very long time. Isn't that right? 14 years. Yep. 14 years. Yeah. With little contact, no contact? None. None. Zero. The only contact I, uh, the only way I was able to keep track of them was through uh, my mother, who, who wasn't in touch with them and and saw them frequently. And you know, she would when when they got new class pictures, for instance, she would give me the previous year's pictures so I could have I could see how oh they grow. You know, so she and would then, get the new one and you would get the one a year old. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so. Yeah. Sad. It's devastating. Yeah. And it was, <laughs> believe me. Well, I, I mean, just as a gay man, I think for, for all of the people I see in the community, the truth is always feels like it's gonna be worth it, but it's hard. But in that case, I would think you'd have to think, was it worth it? 14 years of not seeing my kids. I have struggled with that question in the past and I, and I inevitably come up with the answer. Yes, it was. Yeah, but it was and a I long journey. That's it was, and I told him, I, yeah, because I, I, I told myself, look, I, I couldn't be honest with my kids and, and say, you know, you need to follow your heart, follow your bliss in order to be happy if I didn't do it myself. So right. uh, the consequences were, were the consequences. I knew right. that was a possibility, but I also knew that if I didn't do it, I'd have been dead by now. I would have yeah. killed myself. That's, that's the point I was at. Yeah, that's where it was at. And yeah. that's why it's so beautiful to see you interact with them in the documentary. What was it like when they came back into your life? It was strange, you know, we, we, were, we, we knew, we, you know, we recognized each other, but right. we didn't. There were a whole, a whole lifetime had gone by in their case. Right. You know, they, were, they were babies, not babies, but they were young kids when I, when I disappeared, you know, and they remember, a lot of what we did, you know, as, as a dad and child, but, um, you know, we had to sort of start all over again. It's been better with my son. I think we, yesterday, um, we went to a Phillies game. Uh, How he, fun. His wife and I, and we just had a blast. It was, a, you know, we're bonding again. I think I'd say we, we have a really, really fine relationship now, my son and I. My daughter and I are still working through some things, but. Uh, you know, it's it's okay. It's good. Now, your son pursues comedy as a, as a comedian. Um, well, he, you know, he kind of ventured out. He, you know, he was wasn't sure if he wanted to be a, a performer or a writer. And he, I think he, you know, he he'd much rather do if he was going to do stage work, sketch comedy. But he's a writer primarily. You know. Nice. Yeah. How do you feel about him going into show business? Because it's hard, right? <laughs> but it's also something you share. It's like a language you share that's very winning to watch. Yeah, it's the family business, you know. Right. Um, I I wish I support anything he he wants to do, including show business, especially show business. If he decided that that's what he wanted, I would do everything in my power to help him along, uh, which is you know more than way more than I got you know from yeah. any of either of my parents. 
something that I like to ask comedians from the beginning to up until recently, what does it feel like when you get a big laugh? I, I, um, that feeling has not changed. And I don't care what anybody says. It's better than the best sex you've ever had in your life. Right. It's just, it just washes over you like this. You, you lift it, you transcend reality. I mean, you're just in another place altogether. It's like, uh, I got a standing O the other night and it's just, you stand there and you just stand there looking and go, are they leaving? <laughs> oh no. Is there a fire that I didn't hear about? Yeah. No, they're standing and clapping and it's, um, it's indescribable really. I think that's wonderful. The name Julia, where did that come from? Well, that's a good, interesting question. I, uh, I, when I was deciding, you know, when I first came out to my niece, who I, my niece, Stephanie, who's, like another daughter to me, we we kicked around another name and um, she didn't like it. She she told me it sounded like a Lincoln Tunnel hooker. So we talked about um, a number of different no names. No the Lincoln Tunnel hookers that are listening. Right, right. No, they're fine people uh, <laughs> on both sides. On both sides. Like, both I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's some very fine people on both sides of the Lincoln Tunnel. I should write that down. That's actually pretty funny. Um, so I, I, I thought about all the women I admired, both, you know, uh, fictional and real right. and Dixie Carter's Julia Sugarbaker from designing women came to mind in the conversation. And I said, I really admire her spirit, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, and, and then we started to play with, you know, the name Julia with my last name and it worked. And, um, and that's how it happened. I love it. Well, a lot of my gay male listeners just did the gay gasp when they heard you say Julia Sugarbaker. Julia Sugarbaker. <laughs> so they're, they're very excited about that. Well, I, yeah. I'm, I'm happy then. Uh, yeah. hope you, uh, I found out later, though, that, that Dixie Carter was a, was like a staunch Republican conservative, I think. Somebody told me. Yeah. And I, and I can't. I, I, I refuse to believe that. But Yeah, uh, we'll just let that die. Yeah. We don't need yeah. to take there's a moment where you're watching your older footage from when you were Rick, where you do a, a joke about trans gender uh, people and, and not a nice one. No. Do you remember that you had done that or was it a shock to see it on the tape? I wasn't, I, when I saw it, I, I, I remembered the joke. Yes. I, I, uh, um, I, I also remembered my head at that period of time. I, I was going through, I really was really in a, in a mess. I was a mess. I just had no idea who or what I was. Right. And so I, you know, in order to ensure my masculinity, I sort of went, you know, my, and I use that in air quotes, sure. masculinity. I went hyper, uber, uh, macho. And, yeah. And, uh, I think that's I, something a lot of us do. Like when we don't want to be the thing, we kind of try to. Yeah. yeah. I've heard that from a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. I think that's something that happens. But it must have been wild to watch that and be like, whoa. Yeah, well, you see my reaction and then yeah. I'm yelling at myself and <laughs> as if I can control the yeah. past, you know. Um, the Susan Sandler, the director, when she approached you about doing this documentary, what were your first thoughts? Were you like, okay, what were you? No, it was about? not at all. I actually, uh, the story is that, you know, we met in, on Nantucket after a show. And she was going, she, you know, we, we went out for drinks afterwards and she was going to help me work on a one woman show right. about my life. That's how it started. 
and the more I, you know, she probed and asked for background stuff, and the more I showed her, I, I had this treasure trove of videotapes and everything. She finally just said, look, there's, there's a documentary here. And I said, well, yeah, okay. But, you know, in show business, people tell you they're going to do things all the time. Right, <laughs> right. It never happens. So I go, yeah, sure. You go ahead and do a documentary. And right. the next thing I know, there's a film crew showing up at my house. So um, I didn't see it for five years. I I, I, I did, was totally hands off in the process. Right. You um, just showed up, did interviews. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You had to have faith in her. I mean, I looked, you know, I vetted her, obviously. And, and her background is uh, wonderful. I mean, she's a, you know, she wrote Crossing Delancey, for God's sakes. Yeah. You know, that's that's not a, a dumb film. It's a great yeah. film. What did you think when you saw the finished documentary? Uh, it was, uh, I, I, I hate to be trite and cliche, but I laughed and I cried. I mean, right. it was, you know, there were parts where I just, you know, especially with my kids, uh, that it just, you know, just, I couldn't hold it back, but you know there were other parts. the The, the first cut I saw was not the one that it wound up being. So, right. um, I, the part about me with the trans, you know, yelling at the TV was not in it. So, I, but I, it was really kind of emotional seeing your whole life. I I say it's like uh, you know that story when you they tell you when you die the book of your life is you always know, there and they read through the book page by page. Right. You know, in heaven or wherever the hell you go. That's what this was like. It was like the book of my life, you know, people yeah, okay. showing me uh, my exactly what I've done. So it was it was very, very emotional. You go through a medical scare mm. film um, and there's a respiratory therapist that that can accept you as mm -hmm. Julia and has to find a way to. To assert that. And this is something I don't understand around this issue generally is why are people so, why are they so bothered by the bathrooms in North Carolina? Why does, what is it, what is it bringing up in them that, that they care so much? And I'm sure this is something you've thought about a lot. And I don't know if, if you have anything you wanna say to that, but I thought when you, when you showed the, the story about the respiratory therapist being a jerk in the hospital, I, I thought that sucks. That's horrible. I that guy's bad for doing that. And then, like, why? That's what I. That's what I think about. And I was just wondering if you had any thoughts about that. Well, you know, you could you could look at it from the perspective of what I did with you know making fun of doing the trans jokes. You know, it could be somebody's deep seated fear. Right. And so, as a way of reacting, they get all passive aggressive and start, yeah. um, you know, acting like idiots be nice yeah i don't know i you know for some people it's religious i don't understand that either uh, yeah. i had um i've had people say i was an abomination you know typical yeah and and that i was uh, you know that i was a slapping god in the face somebody actually yeah. said that to me all of my um, favorite people are abominations by the way <laughs> my favorite people are abominations well wait, awesome. we're gonna it's a great club. Uh, <laughs> it's you know, a great club to be in. It is. The Abomination Club. The Abomination Club. Um, do you think having transitioned and done that thing in, in your life that was was very, you said you were, you were in a desperate place, but took a, to my, to my point of view, took a ton of courage 
Does it allow you to be braver in your life afterwards? Like I did that. I can go on stage at America's Got Talent. Like, does it does it give you more courage, I guess, in day-to-day situations? I, I, don't, I don't know. I never thought of it as courage. I, I, I think of it as the mother of all coming out stories. I mean, I did, you know, <laughs> if you're going to come out, you might as well come out in front of 13 million people. Right. Um, uh, it made me fearless on stage, I think, uh, and that was one of the criteria I, I had for coming back to stand up. I had to, it had to be truthful, and right. I and it had to be fearless. So maybe maybe it gave me a little courage. You know, I've done pretty you know in comedy, I've been booed off the stage by thousands of people at a time. I've been heckled. I've been tackled on stage. I've been you know all kinds of stuff has happened to me prior to this. So. Uh, I'm, pr- you know, you get a thick hide after a while. Yeah. And I think that that helped me get through this. Yeah. You know. What have you observed about being the age you are in this business? That's a that's the bigger issue than being trans, I think. And uh, it, uh, I I think I've managed to conquer that. At, uh, if I'm proud of anything, I mean, I'm proud of being a trans comic. Obviously, I'm proud of being trans and I'm proud of being a comedian, but I'm really proud that I can still be successful as an old lady. Right, you, know? you can still make it work. Yeah. And that you can yeah. still make a, a living or, or do your thing, yeah. I'm, I'm, and, and you know, there is there is an age cap in comedy. I mean, you know, you hit that that certain age and you, 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 you know, you're forced to go work down in Florida on, you know, active adult community right. clubhouses. Which I refuse to do. <laughs> you know, I want to work the clubs. I want to work Vegas. I want to work right. network television. You know, I still. This is a, and I want to just another aside here. This business, stand-up comedy, is the only art form that that dumps you when it hurt. You know, you hit a certain age, and you you're actually at the peak of your performance. Other, you know, if you're an actor. Uh, the older you get, the better you get, you know, and you, you still you know, you're, you're still yeah. Freaking Tony Bennett's got the, the Alzheimer's and he's still singing. Yeah. And he's 98 years old. Come on. Yeah. You know, uh, we have a lot to offer in terms of pers- life's perspective as yeah. older, older comics. So I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go off the deep end there. No, that's what I wanted to hear about. What's the dream gig? If you could get a call tomorrow and say, you want to do this? Wow. They're all dream gigs, really. I don't have one. Um, I don't have one particular one that I've thought of. I've I've done everything I've wanted. To, I've done every kind of thing I've wanted to do in comedy. The only thing I'd like to do is act a little more. I I I'm, I did a short movie last year for the first time. It was a drama, drama, not drama. Really good grammar. Yeah, you get a lot of acting gigs like that. <laughs> Uh, I love a good drama. I really do. I feel like Mayor of Easttown was kind of a drama. Yeah, I haven't seen that. I want to get this. I'm, I'm hoping to get to see it. But I, I really enjoyed acting. And it was, uh, I'd like to take a shot at something a little bit bigger. Yeah, that's the dream gig, I guess. Yeah. Have you watched the show Hacks on HBO? About No, I don't have HBO, believe it or not. Uh, but I hear it's terrific. Yeah, I, uh, I love it. I worked with Joan Rivers as a writer for a number uh-huh. of years on Fast. Did you? Yeah. Do you know? Did you know Larry Amaros? I do know Larry a bit. We overlapped a bit and worked on a few sessions together. I didn't know him well, but I always thought he was really fun and nice. Yeah, and he's a he's a character. He is yeah. definitely a character. That was that was an interesting 
world to observe and, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure. There's a beautiful love story in your film with, um, with, with Kate. Yeah. And, and, and somebody who really, really, there was such love there. And, and then ultimately I wrote down, maybe I'm, as I said, it was a while ago I watched this, but she missed Rick. Um, yeah. And, 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 and there was some, and it was honest and yeah, it was, but it was the love that you, you felt through that part of the movie was very strong. It's bittersweet because I finally got to be happy as being who I was. Right. And, and at the, at what cost losing the only person I ever really truly loved in life. Uh, it didn't, wasn't planned that way. It just, that was her truth. She couldn't handle it. Right. Uh, right. And, and I, if you, and if you get to live your truth then she gets to live her truth. And that's what's so bittersweet about it. Like, yeah. it wasn't like that they were afraid and they couldn't deal or they, you know, they shut down. It was, you know, I've searched myself and this is, this yeah. is not what I, yeah. How I can you? Very poignant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I miss her. I think about her all the time. I love her to this day. Yeah. Uh, and uh, she, she really, she got me to understand who and what I was. And wow. that's it. How much do you have to love somebody to let them go like that? Yeah, know? yeah. Or to risk letting them go. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's something you say in the movie that you hope your children will understand why I had to do, do the terrible thing that I did. Do you feel like now that the movie's finished and, and it's been a few years, do you feel like they're in that place? Yeah, I wrote that. I, that was an excerpt from my journal in uh, when I first from about 1999 or 2000, somewhere around there. So that was an excerpt, that opening uh, yeah. thing that I'm reading. Yeah, that came from my journal. And I, yeah, I mean, I, I talk about killing their father. And, and metaphorically, you know, I did. Uh, uh, but I think the times have changed. I think, yeah. um, you know, they were children at the time. They've grown up. They've been around. They went to college, so they know. They've been around people who, right. are, or who are not like them, different, you know. And um, I think they were able to process this as adults. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. One of the things you express in the movie, which I hadn't really seen before, is that you wanted to be a mother. That feeling, as opposed to just, I want to be female or that's my gender. It's more like, I want, I want to be a mother, which I thought yeah. was kind of interesting. I I, what, I I realized it while I was teaching when I got uh, because I became a teacher the year I that I transitioned that yeah. I had to live as Julia was my first year teaching and I realized how much I how horrible I was as a guy you know because I didn't know how to do it but that how natural mothering came to me uh, and how much I enjoyed it and felt fulfilled as a teacher. You know, because when you teach little kid, I taught sixth graders, you know, your mother, your teacher, your disciplinarian, your psychology, you're everything to these kids. And, and and sometimes, you know, when you're yelling at them, they go, they, you know, they go, but mom, and then they catch themselves and realize that they're, you know, uh, talking to their teacher. So, yeah, I, I, I yes. You I have that, of, in, that nurturing. I do, nurturing. yeah. That's beautiful. That's how I knew this wasn't some kind of psychological, you know, deformity or whatever they want to call what's what I have. Right. That's how I knew it was real and natural because those feelings were 
right in my heart and soul where being a dad being a guy was not i was i was lost in that world yeah what do you make of this current moment when there is more visibility there's more things on television and all of this younger people seem less uptight around all of it Mm -hmm. and yet there are all these horrible ballot measures all of these legislations all of all of it feels like this powder keg of where this issue is like in, in the center of it. What do you make of it? How do you feel to be around? Well, obviously it's depressing to see what's going on in Texas and Florida and yeah. states like that. Um, we know where that's coming from. We know, you know, uh, and I think it's, it, they're, they're clinging to whatever they can cling to, to keep their world uh, the way they want to keep it. Yeah. But you know what? The law of large numbers says, your time is going. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I think America in the next 20 or 30 years is actually closer to realizing its ideal of what America should be than it has been for the last 200 odd years. Yeah. Oh, that warms my heart to hear that. Um, That's what, what I feel. What do you think when you see young people? Uh, I have a friend whose who's, um, daughter uh, transitioned in high school and, and, um, like, what do you think when you see young people that are that are kind of dealing with what you dealt with much later? And how do you how do you process it? I, I well, I'll give you an example. That's I can tell you that uh, over the weekend, I, I told you I was at the Stress Factory comic. Club yeah. And, uh, and there was a there were two young trans men um, who were a couple and they were celebrating their second anniversary. Wow. And, I brought him up on stage and I just, we just hugged. I mean, I, I couldn't think of anything else to do other than hug them and tell them how proud I was of them. Right. Um, I don't have any jokes. I had no jokes at all. Audience loved them. Uh, you know, one of the, one of the men had lost, uh, his parents just shut him out altogether. And, I, and, right. and you know what? And I hugged him even tighter. Cause I said, you know, no matter what, we're 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 your family now. You yeah, you're a mothering instinct, right? Exactly. That's a, there. You go. That, yeah. right. Nice, good, good callback. I didn't Thank even you. realize that. Thank yes. you. I appreciate that. That's what a beautiful okay. moment, right? But, uh-huh. Yeah, to see that. And I see that, you know, and I and, and and in some way feel a little. I can look at that and go, you know, I had a little part in making that happen, maybe just by living my truth. Yeah. You know, it's the chaos theory. You know, the butterfly flaps its wings and causes the, the monsoon on the other side of the world. So Right. One thing I've learned doing this podcast is you never know who's going to hear something or who it's going to mean to. Sometimes you just yep. take things out and, 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 and let them go and they find yep. their own way. Um, tell people how they can watch your movie, where they need to go, what they need to do. Uh, they go to juliascottyfilm.com and that will tell them uh, that will guide them to any number of uh, places to stream it. There you go. Um, do you do social media? Are you you want to plug your Twitter? Or I'm anything? on. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm on Twitter. You can find me, Julie, uh, and and I'm on Facebook. Uh, you can go to my website, juliascotty.com, and uh, sign up on the mailing list. And I and every month I you know I send out stuff. Uh, not stuff, physical right, stuff. Right, like, like not physical yeah. things. <laughs> no, no, no. Nice. Here's a so, lot of Simon Cowell's hair. That right. I saw. Uh, his DNA. I got his DNA locked into my safe. Right. Uh, um, who was your favorite judge on talent on America's Got Talent? Oh, uh, Mel B. She she was my kind of gal. 
Isn't she, she fun? I like Mel B. Oh, Thank God. You. Filthy mouth. She was, she just backstage swearing up a storm. And she's exactly what I, you know, yeah, I loved her. She was really nice. That's so good to know. All right, final question. Is there, do you think there's a something that, a, a takeaway from your story in the film that, that, that you hope people connect to and maybe apply to their own lives? Is there something that your story illustrates? If it illustrates anything, I hope it's this, that there's a, there's a voice inside all of us that guides us through life. Listen to it. It's always right. It knows what's best for you. It wants to, it wants to help you. Um, follow your heart. Other people may try to sway you from doing things because it, it makes them uncomfortable. Right. Don't listen to that. Follow that voice inside you uh, and you'll, you'll, you'll be okay. You will be okay. Uh, what a beautiful note to end on. I got chills just now. Um, it was delightful to talk to you. So cool. nice to meet you. You as well. I hope to get to see you on stage someday. I would love to come and see you do your thing. And, uh, yeah, let me know. I'm hoping to get out to the West Coast um, you know, now that things are starting to come back, we're hoping to, you know, maybe set up a little mini tour of the clubs out there. So, oh, um, you never know. Fun. Yeah, it'd be great. All right. Well, it's delightful talking to you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Dennis. Okay. You take care. Bye bye. Thanks again to Julia Scotty. Check out her movie, Funny That Way. You will enjoy it. All right. So, this happened. I got new theme music, as you can hear. Um, and how I got it, my old friend, Melissa Carter, uh, we used to host a radio show together uh, called Radio with a Twist. We were two of three co-hosts around the country. It was an LGBT-themed kind of pop culture show with music and stuff. We had, like, countdowns and songs, and we played a lot of Gwen Stefani and Pink, Rihanna. Uh, it was the mid-2000s. It was super fun. But anyway, she started a podcast recently, and I was doing an event with her for, for it. And she was playing her theme music, and I'm like, I love your theme music. I want theme music, and so she turned me on to this company, Placement Music, out of Atlanta. Um, spoke with a woman there named Tammy Hurt, hooked it up. She sent me some options. This was my favorite. Atlas Shrugged is the name of it. It's by um, Mark Daniels as a composer, and I love it. So that's my theme music. And the other thing that happened was I went to see In the Heights. Uh, I was able to find a, a theater that you could rent out at AMC on Saturday night at 8 o'clock, the weekend it opened, for 20 people. So we got the folks together, everyone was there. We went in and we watched In the Heights. We laughed and we cried and it was so good. And it was actually on my vision board um, as a thing to do after COVID and it happened. My dream came true. If you haven't seen the movie yet, I recommend seeing it either on HBO or on the big screen. And I really hope it's around come Oscar time. There's some great performances in there. The, the photography, the directing, it's just great. So there you go. All right, that's it for this week. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye.
Excellent. Joining me now from New Jersey via Zoom, it's Julia Scotty, the subject of this great new documentary that's out called Julia Scotty, Funny That Way. Hello, Julia. Hello, Dennis. How are you? It's nice to see you. Um, your face was familiar to me when uh, they sent the trailer because I, I think I had seen the America's Got Talent um, when you were on that. Uh, I'm amazed at how many people remember that thing. It was five years ago. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, and I still get people coming up to me. It's such a testament to the power of television, right? That, like, it, it really is more powerful than almost any other media force, it seems like, in terms of just getting faces out there, right? The first time I appeared on it, just before I walked out on stage, Nigel, the producer, uh, was, he just looked at me because your life is never going to be the same after this. And he was, he was right. It, it, yeah, the power of television is remarkable. Now, they show part of this journey in the documentary on America's Got Talent. Um, yeah. You have a great appearance. Even Simon is nice to you and, and, <laughs> and laughs and is funny. How far did you end up going in it ultimately? I don't remember how it, how it played out. I, I got to the quarterfinals, and then they threw me out. Oh, devastating. <laughs> Was it exciting to be in, in that crazy big television world, lights, people... Was it exciting? You know, I I get I, I can get used to that, and it and it's weird because they, you know, for the time you're on the show, you're like a celebrity. I mean, people right. recognize you on the streets. People are like, "Hey, how you doing? I, I voted for you." And then when you, then when you, you're off. You know, you're just you know you're, you're like a homeless person. Then people <laughs> walk by and they don't want to know you. You know, you smell. Get away from me. Uh, it's it, they they build you up just to let you down. And um, you're, you talk on the on, when you were on America's Got Talent about uh, being being transgender and, and your journey right. in that. Was that always something you were you were fine to do on that show, or was it something you had to consider? Um, it was a it was a decision I made at that moment on that stage. Wow! They they told me uh, they gave, they left it up to me. They you know they said right. you can do it. You don't have to do it. I, and I and I wasn't going to. And then I you know comedians had this internal conversation going on. I called the board of directors meeting. Right. Even while we're performing, we're making all these executive decisions. And, you know, when Howie asked me the question, why did I take 10 years off? Um, I had to make a decision as to whether or not I wanted to do it. Right. And I, I thought about, you know, all the people out there who were struggling like I did. Yeah. And, and I thought maybe this, you know, seeing somebody like them on TV would, um, help and and maybe they could see that there was life on the other side of this process and so I just took a deep breath and the next thing I know <laughs> it was coming out of my mouth and the place got quiet for like a millisecond and then just exploded it was it was it was intense I thought it was beautiful it was such a beautiful moment one of those thank you moments that you watch those shows and you're like the did for all of the showmanship of there are these little pure moments of humanity that come through. Did you hear yeah. from people afterwards that 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 meant something too? That that oh, the, the God, idea yeah, of heard, setting an example. Absolutely. I mean, I heard from. I didn't realize that the show uh, was rebroadcast in countries all around the world, and I started to hear from people in Australia and, and Great Britain and Brazil, uh, you know, and people who were just in the United States too. You know, good and bad. I wasn't prepared for the bad. Yeah, what kind uh, of things would the bad people say? Like, 
that you're against God or what, 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 what well, there, was that. It there was a lot of God stuff. There was a lot of, you know, uh, refusing to call, refer to me as she it was all he, you know, and a lot of dick references and, yeah, you know, and just people go right for the genitalia, right. you know, that's, uh, and it was just horrible, horrible stuff. And it, I gotta be honest with you. I wasn't as, as long as I've been in show business, I was not prepared for that. Yeah. Like you uh, and, don't... and my son said to me, don't look at the comments. And of course, you know, um, like, like a lot, I turned around and my entire life turned into a pillar of salt. You know? <laughs> Is there, <laughs> was there a positive, uh, letter or email you got that, that sticks out or something that, that, that yes. moves you? Yes, there was a, there was a, uh, not long after the show, I got an email from somebody that said they had been, uh, they were struggling with their gender identity and they were, they were about to kill themselves and they were just, it, the television happened to be on, on that show. Oh my gosh. And, and I, they saw me and they, you know, they, they kind of put the volume up and, um, uh, it actually kind of saved, I hate save, saving their life because they sound like. You know, I ran in there and rescued them, but right. this person, you know, they changed their mind and just and did not kill themselves that night. So I kind of feel, and I've heard from other people over the course of the years uh, who were very, very depressed, and, and you know, and that performance seemed to lift them up a little bit. So I'm, I'm, I'm really blessed in that way. What a beautiful thing! That's so mm. the right thing at the right time could change somebody's state of mind in that way. Um, so you well, started. I, I, I want to tell you, if you don't mind me, just yeah. to, you know, going to sci-fi. I worked this weekend off in this club in New Jersey, a big club, the Stress Factory, and uh, for the first time ever, um, there were more trans people there than I'd ever seen at a show before. Wow! A couple, a young couple, you know, young couples, young men, young women, and I just. It just lifted me like you wouldn't believe, and it, and a lot of it had to do with AGT, but more of it had to do with the movie. I think they had seen the movie. That's fantastic. Look at that. Yeah, yeah it's great. So you started doing comedy as a man, Rick Scotty, in the '80s mm-hmm. when comedy was blowing up. 1980. Uh, yeah, and what struck me looking at that old footage was there was a sort of disgruntledness in your persona. That was kind of your yeah. shtick. And then I yeah. sort of knowing your journey and what you were must have been dealing with on the inside, it was very poignant. Like, like this guy's really seems unhappy, or that's kind of his shtick. But but there's this bigger thing going on. So how I guess how do you connect your journey as a trans person to your earlier comedy persona? Were they connected at all? Well, it, ultimately they were. At the time, I was very unhappy. Uh, I, 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 was, I was going through this period in my life where I thought I was gay for a good long time. I knew, I shouldn't say I thought I was gay. I knew something was, as we stay in Italian, stonato, out of tune. Yeah. And uh, uh, I didn't know what it was. Because don't forget, this is 40 years ago. Right. Um, before the internet, before any of this stuff existed. For sure. Trans- you know, trans information was virtually, you know, what you get, you know, in the daily news if Renee Richards came out or, you know, somebody else got a sex change, as they used to call it. Right. So it, it um, I didn't, I didn't, I never, ever thought that that was my issue. So I was unhappy. Yeah. And I, my, my couple of forays into the, you know, experimenting with being gay were disastrous. 
Right. And so I just, I was lost. And so my comedy reflected that. Comedy always reflects what the comedian's experiencing in life, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I have a lot of friends who are comics, a lot of female comedians. Do you notice now, as Julia, that the vibe is different when you go into clubs? And, and are you seeing some of that misogyny that I might have heard from, from my female comedians? Has it given you a different vantage point into these worlds that you started out in? It's unfair for me to, to say it's misogyny because uh, I, I don't deserve, you know, to I don't have the experience to talk about that era. Sure. I saw it. Right. Uh, from a male perspective, I, I, I did see it, yes. Do I see it now uh, from, from my point yeah. of view? Mm, no, not really. You know, it's uh, uh, people when I come into a club sort of know my history. Right. They know and your so story. They're, they're in one camp, either they're super supportive or, you know, they, you know, they just sort of avoid me altogether because there's still some people that, that just find what I, I am repulsive. And, yeah, you know, and, and they're few and far between in the clubs anyway, but they're there. Yeah, I get that. Um, one of the most poignant parts of the documentary is when you talk about your children and that your children are featured and are interviewed. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think I remember that when you transitioned, you lost touch with them for a very long time. Isn't that right? 14 years. 14 yep. years uh, with little contact, no contact? None. Like zero. None. The only contact I, uh, the only way I was able to keep track of them was through uh, my mother, who who wasn't in touch with them and and saw them frequently. And you know, she would when when they got new class pictures, for instance, she would give me the previous year's pictures so I could have I could see. Oh how my gosh! Grown, you know, so she would and get then, the new one, and you would get the one a year old. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so sad. Yeah. It's devastating. Yeah, and, and it and, was. <laughs> Believe me. Well, I, I mean, just as a gay man, I think for, for all of the people I see in the community, the truth is always feels like it's going to be worth it, but it's hard. But in that case, I would think you'd have to think, was it worth it? 14 years of not seeing my kids. I have struggled with that question in the past, and I, and I inevitably come up with the answer, yes, it was. Yeah, but it was a and long journey. That's what's so was, and I told about I, Yeah, because I, I, I told myself, look, I, I couldn't be honest with my kids and, and say, you know, you need to follow your heart, follow your bliss in order to be happy if I didn't do it myself. Right. So uh, the consequences were, were the consequences. I right. knew that was a possibility. But I also knew that if I didn't do it, I'd have been dead by now. Yeah. I would have killed myself. That's That's the point I was at. Yeah, that's where it was at. And yeah. that's why it's so beautiful to see you interact with them in the documentary. What was it like when they came back into your life? It was strange. You know, we, we, were, we, we knew, we, you know, we recognized each other, but right. we didn't. There were a whole, a whole lifetime had gone by in their case. Right. You know, they were, they were babies, not babies, but they were young kids when I, when I disappeared, you know. And they remember... A lot of what we did, you know, as, as, as dad and child, but, um, you know, we had to sort of start all over again. It's been better with my son. I think we, yesterday, um, we went to a Phillies game. Uh, How fun. He, his wife and I, and we just had a blast. It was, a, you know, we're bonding again. 
I think I'd say we we have a really really fine relationship now, my son and I. My daughter and I are still working through some things, but uh, you know, it's it's okay, it's good. Now your son pursues comedy as a as a comedian. Um, well, he you know he kind of ventured out. He you know he was wasn't sure if he wanted to be a, a performer or a writer, and he I think he you know he he'd much rather do if he was going to do stage work, sketch comedy. But he's a writer primarily. You know? Nice. Yeah. How do you feel about him going into show business? Because it's hard, right? <laughs> but it's also something you share. It's like a language you share that's very winning to watch. Yeah, it's the family business, you know. Right. Um, I, I wish I support anything he he wants to do, including show business, especially show business. If he decided that that's what he wanted, I would do everything in my power to help him along, uh, which is you know more than way more than I got yeah. know, from any of either of my parents. Something that I like to ask comedians from the beginning to up until recently, what does it feel like when you get a big laugh? Ugh. I, I, um, that feeling has not changed and I don't care what anybody says. It's better than the best sex you've ever had in your life. Right. It's just, it just washes over you like this. You, you lift it, you transcend reality. I mean, you're just in another place altogether. It's like, uh, I got a standing O the other night, and it's just you stand there and you just stand there looking. And go, are they leaving? <laughs> oh, no. is, there, is there a fire they're, that I didn't hear about? Yeah, no, they're standing and clapping, and it's um, it's indescribable, really. I think that's wonderful. The name Julia, where did that come from? Well, that's a good, interesting question. I uh, I when I was deciding, you know, when I first came out to my niece, who I, my niece Stephanie was like another daughter to me. We, we kicked around another name and, um, she didn't like it. She, she told me it sounded like a Lincoln Tunnel hooker. So we talked about, um, a number of different names. No offense names to Lincoln Tunnel hookers that are listening. Right, right. No, they're fine people. Uh, <laughs> on both sides. On both sides. Both like, sides I'm of sorry. the tunnel. Um, yeah. <laughs> There's some very fine people on both sides of the Lincoln Tunnel. I should write that down. It's actually pretty funny. Um, so I, I, I thought about all the women I admired, both, you know, uh, fictional and real. Right. And Dixie Carter's Julia Sugarbaker from Designing Women came to mind in the conversation. And I said, I really admire her spirit, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, and, and then we started to play with, you know, the name Julia with my last name. And it worked. And, um, and that's how it happened. I love it. Well, a lot of my gay male listeners just did the gay gasp when they heard you say Julia Sugarbaker. Julia Sugarbaker. So they're, they're very excited about that. Well, yeah. I, I'm, I'm happy then. Yeah. Uh, hope you, uh, I found out later, though, that, that Dixie Carter was a, was like a staunch Republican conservative, I think. Somebody told me. Yeah. And I, and I can't. I, I, I refuse to believe that. Yeah, but, we'll uh, just let that die. On yeah. The, we don't need to yeah, dig too deep. <laughs> There's a moment where you're watching your older footage from when you were Rick, where you do a, a joke about trans transgender uh, people, and and not a nice one. Did no. you remember that you had done that, or was it a shock to see it on the tape? I wasn't. I when I saw it, I I, I remembered the joke. Yes, I I uh, um I was. I also remembered my head at that period of time. I I was going through. 
I really was really in a, in a mess. I was a mess. I just had no idea who or what I was. Right. And so I, you know, in order to ensure my masculinity, I sort of went, you know, my, and I use that in air quotes. Sure. Masculinity. I went hyper, uber, uh, macho. Yeah. You know? I think that's uh, something I, a lot of us do. Like when we don't want to be the thing, we kind of try to. Yeah. yeah I think I that's heard very that from human. a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. I think that's something that happens. But it must have been wild to watch that and be like, whoa. Yeah, well, you see my reaction. Yeah. And I'm yelling at myself and <laughs> as if I can control yeah. the past, you know. Um, the Susan Sandler, the director, when she approached you about doing this documentary, what were your first thoughts? Were you like, okay, what were your what No, were you thinking well, about? not at all. I actually, uh, the story is that, you know, we met in, on Nantucket after a show. And she was going, you know, we, we went out for drinks afterwards and she was going to help me work on a one woman show right. about my life. That's how it started. And the more I, you know, she probed and asked for background stuff. And the more I showed her, I had this treasure trove of videotapes and everything. She finally just said, look, there's a documentary here. And I said, well, yeah, okay. But you know, in show business, people tell you they're going to do things all the time. Right, right. And it never happens. So I go, yeah, sure. You go ahead and do a documentary. Right. And the next thing I know, there's a film crew showing up at my house. So um, I didn't see it for five years. I I, I, I did, was totally hands-off in the process. Right. You just um, showed up, did interviews. Mm-hmm. Did, yeah. You had to have faith in her. I mean, I looked, you know, I vetted her, obviously, and and her background is uh, wonderful. I mean, she's a, you know, she wrote Crossing to Lancy, for God's sakes. Yeah. You know, that's, that's not a, a dumb film. It's a great yeah. film. What did you think when you saw the finished documentary? Oh, uh, it was, um, I, oh, I, I hate to be trite and cliche, but I laughed and I cried. Right. I mean, it was, you know, there were parts where I just, you know, especially with my kids, uh, that it just, you know, just, I couldn't hold it back, but you know, there were other parts. The, the, the first cut I saw was not the one that it wound up being. So, right. Um, I, the part about me with the trans, you know, yelling at the TV was not in it. So I, but I, it was really kind of emotional seeing your whole life. I, I say it's like, uh, you know, that story when you, they tell you when you die, the book of your life is always there and they read through the book page by page. Right. You know, in heaven or wherever the hell you go. That's what this was like. It was like the book of my life, you know, yeah. people showing me uh, my, exactly what I've done. So it was, it was very, very emotional. Uh, Julia, can you hold on for just one second? I, my dog is doing something. I'm, I'm sure. Gonna... It's landscaping day, so here in my condo, oh. it's the zoom of it all. But anyway, we'll dive right back in. What kind of dog is he? Um, I have a white one, and then my roommate's dog is like a little, um, a little uh, terrier mix with oh. a My cat is usually making an appearance about now, but <laughs> you caught her during nap time. So right, that's kind of the zoom of it all. Um, yeah. You go through a medical scare during oh. the film, um, and there's a respiratory therapist that that can accept you as Julia mm-hmm. and has to find a way to, to assert that. And this is something I don't understand around this issue generally is why are people so 
why are they so bothered by the bathrooms in North Carolina? Why does it, what is it, what is it bringing up in them that they're, that they care so much? And I'm sure this is something you've thought about a lot. And I don't know if, if you have anything you want to say to that, but I thought when you, when you showed the, the story about the respiratory therapist being a jerk in the hospital, I, I thought that sucks. That's horrible. I, that guy's bad for doing that. And then like, why? That's what I. That's what I think about, and I was just wondering if you had any thoughts about that. Well, you know, you could you could look at it from the perspective of what I did with, you know, making fun of doing the trans jokes. You know, it could be somebody's deep seated fear, right? And so, as a way of reacting, they get all passive aggressive and start, yeah, um, you know, acting like idiots to be nice. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, for some people, it's religious. I don't understand that either. Uh, yeah. I had, um, I've had people say I was an abomination, you know, typical. Yeah. And, and that I was, um, you know, that I was a slapping God in the face. Somebody yeah. actually said that to me. All of my and favorite I, people are abominations, by the way. Uh, <laughs> some of most of my favorite people are abominations. They're oh, awesome. Gonna, it's a great club. Uh, <laughs> it's a know. great club to be in. It the is. abomination club. The abomination. Um, do you think having transitioned and done that thing in, in your life that was was very, you said you were you were in a desperate place, but took a to my to my point of view took a ton of courage. Does it allow you to be braver in your life afterwards? Like I did that. I can go on stage at America's Got Talent. Like does it does it give you more courage? I guess in day to day situations. I don't know. I never thought of it as courage. I, I, I think of it as the mother of all coming out stories. I mean, I did, you know, it's, if you're going to come out, you might as well come out in front of 13 million people. Right. Um, I, it made me fearless on stage, I think. Uh, and that was one of the criteria I, I had for coming back to stand up. I had to, it had to be truthful. Right. And I and it had to be fearless. So. Maybe, maybe it gave me a little courage. You know, I've done pretty, you know, in comedy, I've been booed off the stage by thousands of people at a time. I've been heckled, I've been tackled on stage. I've been, you know, all kinds of stuff has happened to me prior to this. So, um, I'm, you know, you get a thick hide after a while. And I think that that helped me get through this. Yeah. You know, what have you observed about being the age you are in this business? That's a that's the bigger issue than being trans, I think, and uh, it. Uh, I I think I've managed to conquer that. At, uh, if I'm proud of anything, I mean, I'm proud of being a trans comic. Obviously, I'm proud of being trans, and I'm proud of being a comedian. But I'm really proud that I, I can still be successful as an old lady. Right, you that know? you can still make it work. Yeah, that you can yeah. still make a, a the living or, or do your thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and and you know there is there is an age cap in comedy. I mean, you know, you hit that that certain age, and you 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 know you're forced to go work down in Florida on you know active adult community right clubhouses, which I refuse to do. <laughs> you know, I want to work the clubs. I want to work Vegas. I want right. to work network television. You know. I still, it's just a, and I want to just another aside here. This business, stand-up comedy, is the only art form that that dumps you when it hurt. You know, you hit a certain age, and you you're actually at the peak of your performance. Other, you know, if you're an actor, 
uh, the older you get, the better you get, you know. And you, there's still and, roles, you know. You still got freaking Tony Bennett's got the, the Alzheimer's and he's still singing. Yeah. And he's 98 years old. Come on. Yeah. You know, uh, we have a lot to offer in terms of pers- life's perspective. Yeah. As older, older comics. So I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go off the deep end there. No, that's what I wanted to hear about. What's the dream yeah. gig? If you could get a call tomorrow and say you want to do this. Wow, they're all dream gigs, really. I don't have one. Um, I don't have one particular one that I thought about. I've I've done everything I wanted. To, I've done every kind of thing I wanted to do in comedy. The only thing I'd like to do is act a little more. I I I'm, I did a short movie last year for the first time. It was a drama, drama, not drama. Really good grammar. Yeah, you'll get a lot of acting gigs like that. <laughs> Uh, I love a good drama. I really do. I feel like Mayor of Easttown was kind of a drama. Yeah, I haven't it's, seen that. I want to get to. I, I'm, I'm hoping to get to see it. But I, I really enjoyed acting, and it was. Uh, I'd like to take a shot at something a little bit bigger. Yeah, that's, that's really the dream cool. gig, I guess. Yeah. Have you watched the show Hacks on HBO about the two? No, movies? I don't have HBO. Believe it or not, uh, but I hear it's terrific. Yeah, I I mm. love it. I worked with Joan Rivers as a writer for a, a number of years uh-huh. on Fashion Did Police. You? Yeah. Do you know? Did you know Larry Amaros? I do know Larry a bit. We overlapped a bit and worked on a few sessions together. I didn't know him well, but I always thought he was really fun and nice and yeah. funny. He's a he's a character. Yeah, he's definitely a character. That was that was an interesting world to observe, and and I'm I'm glad I'm I had sure. that experience. There's a beautiful love story in your film with um with with Kate. Yeah. And. And, and somebody who really, really, there was such love there. And, and then ultimately I wrote down, maybe, I'm, as I said, it was a while ago I watched this, but she missed Rick. Um, yeah. And, 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 and there was some, and it was honest. And yeah, it was, but it was the love that you, you felt through that part of the movie was very strong. It's bittersweet because I finally got to be happy as being who I was. Right. And, and at, the, at what cost? losing the only person I ever really truly loved in life. Uh, it didn't, wasn't planned that way. It just, that was her truth. She couldn't handle right. it. Uh, right. And, and if I, you, and if you get to live your truth then she gets to live her truth and that's, what's so bittersweet about it. Like yeah. it wasn't like that they were afraid and they couldn't deal or they, you know, they shut down. It was, mm. you know, I've searched myself and this is, this is yeah. not what I, yeah. And I found that very, you- yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I miss her. I think about her all the time. I love her to this day. Yeah. Uh, and uh, she, she really, she got me to understand who and what I was. Oh. And that's a, how much do you have to love somebody to let them go like that? Yeah. 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 Or to risk letting them go. Yeah, for sure. Uh, um, yeah. There's something you say in the movie that you hope your children will understand why I had to do do the terrible thing that I did. Do you feel like now that the movie's finished and, and it's been a few years, do you feel like they're in that place? Yeah, I wrote that. I, that was an excerpt from my journal in uh, when I first, uh, from about 1999 or 2000, somewhere around there. So that was an excerpt, that opening yeah. uh, thing that I'm reading. Yeah, that came from my journal. And I, yeah, I mean, I, I talk about killing their father. And, and metaphorically, you know, I did. Uh, uh, but I think the times have changed. Yeah. I think, um, you know, they were children at the time. They've grown up. They've been around. They went to college, so they know 
they've been around people right. who, are, are, who are not like them, different, you know. And um, I think they were able to process this as adults. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. One of the things you express in the movie, which I hadn't really seen before, is that you wanted to be a mother. That feeling, as opposed to just I want to be female or that's my gender. It's more like I want I want to be a mother, which I thought was yeah. kind of interesting. I I, what, I I realized it while I was teaching when I got uh, because I became a teacher the year I that I transitioned yeah. that I had to live as Julia was my first year teaching, and I realized how much I how horrible I was as a guy, you know, because I didn't know how to do it, but that how natural mothering came to me. Uh, and how much I enjoyed it and felt fulfilled as a teacher. You know, because when you teach little kids, I taught sixth graders, you yeah. know, your mother, your teacher, your disciplinarian, your psychology, you're everything to these kids. And, and and sometimes, you know, when you're yelling at them, they go, they, you know, they go, but mom, and then they catch themselves and realize that they're, you know, uh, talking to their teacher. So, yeah, I, 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 Yes. You have that, is, that nurturing motherly do, yeah. That's beautiful. That's how I knew this wasn't some kind of psychological, you know, deformity or whatever they want to call what's, what I have. Right. That's how I knew it was real and natural because those feelings were right in my heart and soul. Yeah. Where being a dad, being a guy was not. I was, I was lost in that world. Yeah. What do you make of this current moment when there is more visibility, there's more things on television and all of this, younger people seem less uptight around all of it, mm-hmm. and yet there are all these horrible ballot measures, all of these legislations, all of, the, all of it feels like this powder keg of where this issue is like in, in the center of it. What do you make of it? How do you feel to be around it? Well, obviously it's depressing to see what's going on in Texas and Florida and, yeah. and states like that. Um, we know where that's coming from. We know you know, uh, and I think it's it, they're they're clinging to whatever they can cling to, to keep their world uh, the way they want to keep it. Yeah. But you know what? The law of large numbers says your time is going. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I think America in the next twenty or thirty years is actually closer to realizing its ideal of what America should be than it has been for the last 200 odd years. Yeah, oh, that warms my heart to hear that. Um, what That's do you think what I when, feel. What do you think when you see young people? Um, I have a friend whose who's, um, daughter uh, transitioned in high school. And, and um, like, what do you think when you see young people that are, that are kind of dealing with what you dealt with much later? And how do you, how do you process it? I, I, well, I'll give you an example. That's I can tell you that. Uh, over the weekend, I, I told you I was at the Stress Factory Comic yeah. Club, and uh, and there was a there were two young trans men um, who were a couple, and they were celebrating their second anniversary. Wow! And I brought them up on stage, and I just we just hugged. I mean, I, I couldn't think of anything else to do other than hug them and tell them how proud I was of them. Right, I don't have any jokes. Uh, I had no jokes at all. Audience loved them. Uh, you know, one of the one of the men had lost uh, his parents just shut him out altogether. And, right. and and you know what? And I hugged him even tighter because I said, you know, no matter what 
we're 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 your family now. Yeah, you you're the mothering to... instinct, right? Exactly. That's a, there you go. That, right. Yeah, nice, good, good callback. Thank I didn't you. Even realize that. Thank you. Yes. I appreciate that. What a beautiful okay. moment, right? But uh -huh. yeah, to see that. And I see that, you know, and I and and, and in some way feel a little. I can look at that and go, you know, I had a little part in making that happen, maybe just by living my truth. Yeah. You know, it's the chaos theory. You know, the butterfly flaps its wings and causes the, the monsoon on the other side of the world. So. Right. One thing I've learned doing this podcast is you never know who's going to hear something or who it's going to mean to. Sometimes you just put yeah. things out and, 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 and let them go and they find their yeah. own way. Um, tell people how they can watch your movie, where they need to go, what they need to do. Uh, they go to juliascottifilm.com and that will tell them, uh, that will guide them to any number of uh, places to stream it. Uh, you can get it at, uh, 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 oh God, now they all went blank, Dennis. Your Amazons, your Thank you. iTunes, your wherever yes. you get your streaming things. Yes. Thank you. Start. You go, go to juliascotty.movie Julia and that will be your hub and it can take you to all kinds of different places. Actually, it's juliascottymovie.com. Yeah, the name Julia is, you can't Scotty find movie. that. Yeah. It's just, if you you have to get the full name of the movie, and it's Julia Scotty, funny that way. If you just type it funny that way, you won't get to the link. So. Oh, there you go. Um, do you do social media? Are you, you want to plug your Twitter or Instagram? I'm on, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm on Twitter. You can find me, Julia, uh, and, and I'm on Facebook. Uh, you can go to my website, juliascotty.com and uh, sign up on the mailing list and i and every month i you know i send out stuff uh not stuff physical right stuff, like not like, physical yeah. things <laughs> no 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 nice here's a lot yeah. of simon cowell's hair that i stole uh, <laughs> his dna i got his dna locked in my safe right um who was your favorite judge on talent on america's got talent oh uh mel B. she she was my kind of gal isn't she, she fun i like mel b i'm oh, with you God. filthy mouth she was she just backstage swearing up a storm, and, and she's exactly what I, you know, yeah, I loved her. She was really nice. That's so good to know. All right, final question. Is there, a, do you think there's a, something that, a, a takeaway from your story in the film that, that, that you hope people connect to and, and maybe apply to their own lives? Is there something that your story illustrates? If it illustrates anything, I hope it's this, that, there's a there's a voice inside all of us that guides us through life. Listen to it. It's always right. It knows what's best for you. It wants to it wants to help you. Um, follow your heart. Other people may try to sway you from doing things because it it makes them uncomfortable. Right. Don't listen to that. Follow that voice inside you, uh, and you'll 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 be okay. You will be okay. Oh, what a beautiful note to end on. I got chills just now. Um, it was delightful to talk to you. Thanks, Julia. I'm going to wrap it up, but I will, um, before I this, I'm going to cut this part out. So if I just need a, a headshot of you or, or like also the... Uh, you can the reach my manager. You can go to my... Uh, yeah, do you yeah. have that information? Okay. okay. I'll pull Tom that stuff. Send, yeah, Tom will send out whatever you need. He's okay. Got awesome. And, right. I, and I'm dealing also with Potent PR and they've probably got what I need to, so... Yeah, Potent has it too, yeah. so... Um, awesome. Yeah. Cool beans. Cool. So nice to meet you. You as well. I hope to get to see you on stage someday. I would love to come and see you do your thing. And uh, Yeah, let me know. I'm hoping to get out to the West Coast, um, you know, now that things are starting to come back. We're hoping to, you know, maybe set up a little mini tour of the clubs out there. So, oh, that would be uh, super fun. Every, 
Awesome. Yeah, be great. All right. Well, it's delightful talking to you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Dennis. You take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.